Hey, I'm Eugene Driscoll. Welcome to Naval Gazing on 103.5 FM out of New Haven. You can also hear us on valleyindy.org, iTunes, YouTube, Libsyn, and SoundCloud. So our guest this week is First Selectman Kurt Miller. We pre-recorded an interview with him just now. We just got done recording it. And among the news he breaks is that he's going to file paperwork today. This will air on February 13th. Monday, to run for his fourth term as Seymour First Selectman. We're recording this on Friday, February 10th, the day after a big blizzard. We talk a little bit uh, to Miller about that and then ask him a bunch of questions about uh, the new police chief's contract. The other, I guess, bit of news is that Chief Michael Metzler of Seymour will be retiring in 2018, but you can listen to the podcast for more. So let's go over real quickly. We have a couple of minutes. I don't want this podcast to go on forever. The most read stories of the week. Number five, Seymour's Kurt Miller is no longer smiling. That was the uh, reaction piece to the governor's budget proposal that you wrote. Uh, number four, race for mayor starting to take shape in Derby. That's uh, another story you wrote about the uh, sort of, you know, what will we uh, Rich have Zekin. a Democratic primary? We'll have a maybe, yeah, looks like way Rich too Zekin early. will be the Republican. Although still, like the Mayor Degato and Carmen Desenzo, the two Democrats, uh, still haven't called me back. Unless, <laughs> unless, what? Although other, we're have, I guess they could email me because I noticed our phone is having problems at the office, but I gave them another number. Uh, okay, and then uh, number three. And Sonia Mann charged with shooting son. That was a follow-up to a uh, shooting from last month uh, in which charges have been filed. Number two, inside Farrell's new $11 million headquarters. Uh, thank you to Farrell for, and Paul Zepp, their CFO, for letting us go in there and take a bunch of pictures and talk to them. And wow, look at this number one. Number one. Massaminos to expand at new Ansonia location. That's a interview I did with the uh, Massimo Andretta, the owner of Massaminos. Uh, moving across the street. They're moving On across Main the street, street right? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So that was a good week. Hey, and uh, it's all free. Got all that great news coverage for nothing. And this so, podcast. So, I mean, right, yeah. What else do you want? So go to uh, donate on valleyindy.org and... Throw us a couple of bucks if you can. We need the help. So anyway, let's get right now. I'm saying let's get right to it, but we've talked for eight minutes. Here's first selectman of Seymour, W. Kurt Miller. Oh. All right, let me get this. Oh, don't spill the coffee on my computer. You guys are high tech, I gotta say. Hey, we're better than Breitbart. Be driving we're, to the, uh, we're way more prepared. I mean, this I'm gonna ask you tougher questions than the the kid from Breitbart that did. That is true. Of okay. the uh, the White House press secretary in that in, in hilarious video. All right, so we're here with Seymour First Selectman Kurt Miller, and we're recording this the day after a massive blizzard. Although this is gonna uh, post on the Valley Indy uh, Monday. Whatever day that is. Today's the 10th and whatever's Monday. The 13th. The 13th. Monday the 13th. And I should just note for any of our listeners, we are being joined on this podcast also by my three-year-old rambunctious daughter, Emma, who stayed home from school today because she's sick. But now she's uh, 
trying to knock over all our wires and stuff like that. But that's neither here nor there. First Selectman Miller, thank you very much for joining Ethan and I today. Always a pleasure to be with you two fine gentlemen. So let's get let's get right into it. The first thing I have to ask you about, you usually come on uh, once a month, Tritown Plaza. We had heard it was supposed to be uh, torn down, parts of it, demo work uh, was supposed to start at some point, permits to be pulled. What is the latest uh-huh. on uh, Tritown Plaza, the unsolvable problem I've uh, nicknamed? This is uh, like a frequent question. The... Uh... <laughs> But no, the uh, owner, uh, Ron Spector, is expected to be out before the end of the month. Um, and when he does come out, him and I are going to get together and discuss the property. He is uh, he would like to take the building down, uh, but he is facing some remediation issues. So one of the things he wanted to do was come out and talk to some of the demo people directly to get a better understanding of uh, what the issues could be. So you know, I'll have more of an update uh, after I meet with him. Uh, he hasn't set a time yet, but he is expected to be here before the end of February. Okay, so there's really, it's still, it's sort of stagnant. That issue sort of remains uh, as is. Uh, yes, unfortunately. Okay, and then moving on, because that's the first, I mean, whenever we put on Facebook, what should we ask the first mm. selectman? People always, that's the first thing they ask is... Uh, When's Trader Joe's coming? Yeah, when is the that's Apple store... <laughs> Uh, so anyway, then moving on, I wanted to talk briefly about uh, the police chief's contract. I guess a few a few months ago, either uh, who was it, the board of selectmen approved a new contract for the uh, police chief, or was it the board of police commissioners, or how's that work? Actually, both boards, both oh. boards approved it unanimously. But it okay. started, we went to the selectmen first, and then on to the board of police commissioners. And then just running through, uh, I can run through some of the details of the contract. Uh, according to this contract, Chief Michael Metzler will retire uh, in April of 2018, 2018 being his 30th year as the, the police chief in Seymour. Wow. The contract says that without this contract, he had intended to work until July 2020, and that's his mandatory retirement age. He would hit mandatory retirement age of, I believe, 65 uh, in 2020. So just before Actually I... 70. Oh, he would be 70? Oh, okay. 70. Oh, I apologize to uh, yes. Chief Metzler. Uh, why he was said, that... Oh, I'm sure he'd, he'd be appreciative that you thought he was that young. Doesn't look a day I, over 50, if I, you ask me. I shaved a couple. <laughs> that Ethan's trying to get out of uh, yeah, future, out of, future out of speeding police. tickets. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was... Uh, why... Uh, why did why was this contract uh, uh, needed, uh, and and why uh, you know what, what's the difference between having Chief Metzler on until twenty eighteen or twenty twenty? The um, when the chief was first hired, he was hired without a contract, um, and he's worked for Seymour for many years. Uh, a lot of those years, and this goes back uh, twenty years now, he didn't receive any raises. Um, he was, by agreement at the time, supposed to receive the same raise as the men um, for many of those years. For, or as for the, the union members, as like have you, as the, as the union members, the, yes, the police officers, same gotcha. as the union members, yes. Okay, gotcha. Sorry, um, he never received those raises. So going back, and I don't have a, a, the numbers right in front of me, but <clears throat> going back about 15 years ago, they increased his salary in one large lump to try to make up for that. What we did was we ran a, created a spreadsheet of what he should have earned during the time that uh, he was employed versus what he actually earned. 
and there was a large discrepancy between those two numbers. And let me ask you how so, much you how know, much was he getting paid uh, prior to this contract negotiating? What was what was his annual salary? Uh, you know, last year or two thousand fifteen. One hundred six thousand. Okay. And then it says, uh, in exchange for these for salary increases and other benefits, uh, this is in the contract. He's going to put in his retirement, like I said, uh, the salary increase. Uh, he's going to be paid a hundred and twenty thousand dollars as of July first, two thousand sixteen. Then he'll get a ten thousand dollar raise on July first, two thousand seventeen. He gets five weeks of vacation. He gets paid for any vacation time not used in that final year. In addition, he gets 14 holidays, 20 paid sick and personal days. Uh, so that's a, how, how did you come about that number? That, that's what you were talking about, that 120 grand that is on the spreadsheet and it's comparable to what other uh, chiefs of police are paid in the area? Uh, the 120 grand is comparable to uh, chiefs across the state, particularly those with his uh, experience. I'd actually say that it's probably a little bit, a lo- a little bit lower. Um, but again, what we were trying to do was right the wrong of the past to avoid Seymour any type of um, litigation that it could have faced for that taking place, but at the same time um, come to an agreement with the chief that was fair and equitable to both sides that would allow him to uh, retire on a specific schedule so that way the town could start the process of uh, replacing him. And was the chief, did the chief give any indication that without this contract he'd, he'd file a lawsuit? Was that sort of where it was going here? Um, you know, he made some indications that that's something that he would look at. Um, you know, he also indicated that he would probably stay then until he was age 70. So I think, you know, coming to a, a very um, equitable agreement on this contract has eliminated a lot of the concerns on both sides. And then just getting back to some of the, the details into this contract, under his retirement, the town will augment... The town will augment his pension for the first seven years with an annual... Are you okay, Kurt? It sounded like you just might have fallen into a paper shredder. No, no, I I just coughed. I'm trying not to cough into the phone. Oh, sorry. The town will augment his pension for the first seven years with an annual lump sum of $20,000. He gets retiree medical coverage until age 65, and then there's longevity pay. He'll receive an annual longevity payment in the amount equal to 10% of his annual salary. Uh, does that 10%, is that based on the 120000 or the 130000 uh, that he's getting? Uh, the, 10%, the 10% or the longevity payment is based on the salary that he's paid in that year. So it will be based on his um, essentially salary each of his last two years. Okay, gotcha. Longevity so, payments are not made in retirement. Say that again? Longevity payments are not made in retirement. Okay. So longevity so, payments are only made during uh, the working years. Okay. And so, the rank-and-file police officers currently have longevity in their contract. So <laughs> he'll, let me just, so he's going to get, uh, he, he'll get his retirement benefits, and then on top of that, he's going to get paid like twelve to $13,000 for seven years after he stops working as police chief. Is that right? No, for the for the this first seven years of retirement, the town will give will pay him twenty thousand dollars a year, as long as he's alive. Okay, so That's he'll the re- only payment the town will make once he's retired. 
Oh, okay. So he doesn't get any other uh, uh, benefits, like a, re- a regular uh, retirement no. uh, salary? Well, he, he has his regular retirement benefits that he will earn through uh, the Municipal Employees Retirement Plan uh, that he and the town have been paying into uh, for his career. So he'll receive those payments. But on top of that, the town will give him uh, $20,000 a year for seven years. Okay. you know, I guess he lives uh, off seven years. I'm just, uh, you know what, I'm, I, I'm confused, so I'm just, just explain to me again like I'm, like I'm a three-year-old, because I literally am. It says he, the town's going to augment his pension for the first seven years with an annual lump sum of $20,000. And then later Correct. it says longevity pay. He'll receive an annual longevity payment equal to the amount, uh, 10% of his annual salary. Explain the long, well, I guess we I'm getting confused with, I'm getting confused with the longevity payment uh, portion. Long, I get the twenty grand for seven years. Yeah, longevity payments are only made while a person is working. So um, it's not something that I agree with. Let me start off by saying that. But a lot of the contracts contain that. And the longevity payment is a reward for employees who stay long term. So that means, okay, so, so he's, his, he's getting, I know he's supposed to get $120,000 a year salary. Then plus he's getting longevity payment these last two years. Is that accurate? Correct. Yes. That he gets longevity payments now. Okay. So it's just the longevity payments have been increased. Gotcha. Do you know what there they... was a number? There was a number that um, on the town side that we determined than what I'll consider the amount of legal exposure that we had, and I brought that number to the selectmen, saying that if we were to lose this number, is what we could be on the hook for. <laughs> Excuse me. So using that, we then backed into a certain amount of benefits that the town would make available for the chief, and the chief ultimately agreed to that number after some discussions back and forth. I can say that what the chief is being paid out is substantially less than the potential exposure that the town had. Okay. Um, you know, to, to the chief's credit, I think he was extremely fair. Um, in negotiations, um, he wanted to, you know, make sure that uh, him and his family um, were taken care of in his retirement. Um, that the you know, 30 plus years of service that he's put in uh, to the town of Seymour were were recognized, and the selectmen and the board of police commissioners all agreed unanimously that the deal was was certainly very fair uh, and very equitable. Okay, and just to uh, like restate, just so because I, I had a. Uh inaccurate statements i think when i was uh talking earlier he he's getting paid uh 120,000 as of July 1st 2017 2016 and then he gets a 10,000 10,000 raise on July 1st 2017 bringing his salary in his last year to 130,000 dollars he's going to retire in 2018 uh, under his retirement, the town is going to augment his, per- his pension for the first seven years with an annual lump sum of twenty grand uh, per year Correct. for seven years. And then his longevity pay is payments that he's getting now. It's sort of like a bonus for working there a long time. So uh, from now until 2018, he's going to get a bonus payment, and that's in the neighborhood of, uh, I guess, twelve dollars to $13,000. Each year, correct, for the Each last year. two years. Gotcha, for the last three years. Okay, Ethan, did you have any questions on the uh, Chief Metzler uh, retirement contract? Not on that specifically, but I like, I'm just, as a general, I know you're not uh, on the police commission, um, but once Chief Metzler does retire, I know it's it's uh, in the future, but uh, 
Uh, do you envision doing like a, a search for a new chief or trying to hire, promote from within? Uh, have you thought that far ahead or have the police commissioners? Yeah, the, the charter actually defines how the chief of police is hired. Oh, really? So what we'll need to do is bring in uh, whether it be the New England police chiefs, the Connecticut police chiefs, they help in uh, running uh, essentially searches for a new police chief. So it would be a testing process. Once the testing process goes through, whoever ran the test for us uh, would give us a list of the top 10 candidates. At that point, the Board of Police Commissioners uh, would go through and interview those 10 people, and then they would make a determination. Generally, in, in past hirings, um, the Board of Police Commissioners had brought in the top three candidates from any test, and that's who they've made the determination as to who to hire. And it's it's up to them. Like the so, selectmen don't have any input. Um, they would then send the name to the board of selectmen. Okay. For the ultimate hiring. Okay. Yeah. All right. Then just moving yeah. on. But, I mean, I'm sorry. The selectmen and myself are not involved in the hiring process. Other than that, while I'll be, you know, I will sit in on interviews and things. I don't have a vote. That's mm-hmm. entirely the five members of the board of police commissioners. Okay, gotcha. And then moving on, March is going to be a big month in terms of Seymour uh, budget preparation, and there was some uh, big news coming out uh, this week in terms of Governor Malloy's proposed two-year budget and what it means to the Seymour School District. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, first of all, I saw in some meeting minutes, you're slated to unveil the town side of the budget uh, in the next—when are you doing that? When, When and where? I'll make my overall budget presentation uh, the first Wednesday in March, uh, which is actually March 1st. And I'll present that at a workshop to the Board of Finance. Uh, Prior to unveiling my budget, I'll do a a quick state of the town uh, for them. So I'll go over our overall financial standing, uh, what we're looking at for the future, different things like that. And then I'll present my overall budget to them. And uh, in terms of uh, budgeting, if I mean you're not you're not in charge of the school budget, but I saw a uh, I'm sorry. I, I, you're not in charge of the school budget, but I saw the register had yeah. an, an article uh, recently saying they have sort of a modest proposal coming forward. Uh, can you just quickly uh, what's your reaction to the what the school has proposed thus far? Yeah, I think for the second year in a row, the Board of Education has come in with. Um, what I'd consider a very reasonable request uh, for their budget. Last year, they requested an increase of 18000 which on a you know, 32-plus million dollar budget, I think we can all agree is, is, is quite impressive, to be quite honest with you. Um, this year, they're looking at initially a little over 500000 um, That 500000 does take into account some assumptions on health insurance, so that number could actually come down a little bit depending on where our health insurance renewals come in. But, you know, overall, I think their initial uh, request is, is extremely fair and something that should be given strong consideration by the people. My number will come in uh, pretty close to their number as well. Uh, I'm a little bit lower than they are, but I think we're right in the ballpark. When you say your numbers, you're talking about your recommendation as to how much the schools should be funded? Correct. Correct. Okay. Gotcha. Now, the the sort of the uncertainty uh, in Seymour this week, when I had interviewed you uh, on Wednesday, I think, 
Uh, Malloy, Governor Malloy unveiled the budget. Ethan was up there in Hartford. And uh, Seymour's looking to take a, a cut. Is that still, uh, in terms of ECS funding, is that, is that still accurate? I know Ethan kind of ran back and we, and we published a story based on what we knew then, but has anything changed in terms of uh, dollar amounts that Seymour could possibly lose in this proposed budget? Uh, since you and I spoke on Wednesday night, um, everything is as we had discussed. And overall, Seymour stands to lose about seven hundred thousand, uh, give or take, in in state funding. Um, I think a lot of the small towns and cities um, are in a, a similar position. I believe it's one hundred and thirty-nine uh, communities will receive less funding than they have in the past. Some small amounts some substantially large amount. I believe Groton is losing uh, 13 or $14 million. So what does, that, the, what does that do, Kurt? What does that do to the, the Seymour school budget? Um, well, <clears throat> the biggest thing that the governor has proposed in his budget is that uh, towns will be responsible for one-third the cost of funding the teacher's retirement plan. That plan uh, is projected to cost about $1.2 billion. So the governor is uh, pushing roughly $400 million down to, down to the towns and cities. The ECS formula has never fully been funded properly, and there was a lawsuit, as, as you guys are aware, you reported on that, uh, that towns and cities put in against the state, and they ultimately won. The judge required the state to fix the way it funds education. So one of the things that the governor did was he proposed some changes to the ECS. He increased the amount of special education and then in turn took money out to pay the teacher's pension. So this was the usual Hartford shell game of over-promising and under-committing or underperforming, I should say. And while the governor will say that he's not really proposing a tax increase, what he's doing is pushing massive tax increases down to the town and cities. So is, do you think the, has this, do you know if the school board has met or, or discussed this in any way? And then ultimately, are we talking about uh, a tax increase in Seymour to help make up uh, for revenue that's lost from the state or layoffs or what, what are we talking about? Well, I met with the board of education on Monday night to discuss some, um, I guess, local regionalizing opportunities. Um, some combining of services between the Board of Ed and the municipal side. Is that the that Joint joint Operations Department that I saw in one of your meeting yes. minutes? Jo- okay, Joint Operations yes. Department. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, what is what is that? Um, well, I'll, I'll circle back to that. But the um, we had met on Monday to discuss that, and at that meeting I did let them know about the governor's proposal to transfer the $400 million of costs to the teacher's pension down to the town. At that point, we didn't know how he was going to fund his budget. Since then, uh, I don't believe the Board of Education has met, but I'm sure they are aware of the amount of cuts uh, that they'll be impacted by. They've just been opening their window like Howard Beale in network, <laughs> screaming they're mad as hell and they're not going to take it anymore. That's essentially what... Yeah, I would, I would think it's probably worse than that at this point. But, um, <clears throat> you know, my budget was about 95% done um, prior to the governor's budget. The one thing I was waiting on was getting an idea of the type of funding that he was going to propose and use that to help finalize my budget based on um, the governor's at least initial requests for a budget. 
I'm going to have to take the budget back and go back through line by line to uh, determine how we're going to absorb this $700,000 cut. You know, my initial projections uh, for the budget had us reducing overall expenses by a half a percent. So we would be using less money in fiscal year 18 than we did in fiscal year 17 overall. I would have projected to, as we had talked about, a 0.2 to a 0.25 mil decrease, which would have been good. That had some assumptions built in in some cuts to state funding. But with the size of these cuts, I need to go back and reevaluate some new priorities um, and make some different decisions as to how we're going to to move forward. Okay. Then, uh, Ethan, did you have a follow-up for that? I was... uh, Like, like, what, you know, it's easy to you know, say Malloy's doing a bad job. I assume, I mean, I don't, I don't think the Republicans have come up with a plan yet. Uh, you know, I would assume you'd endorse that, but you know, to put yourself in Malloy's shoes, uh, should he just, you know, should he come out with a sort of a harder starting position with the unions and say, you know, look, we're going to lay off 4,000 of you if you, if you don't give us some concessions or, you know, like how, how would you do it? I think the problem with the governor is the governor doesn't lead um, the appropriate way. It's a, uh, I think it's the responsibility of and who's ever in charge <clears throat> to set the tempo, to set the tone, which he should have done back in 2010 when he first took office. That's the point where he should have laid out, this is the plan that I have for the next five or six years, the next you know, three budget cycles, of how we're going to fix Connecticut. Instead... The governor just gave money away to special interest groups like he always had. He used the budget to give out political favors or to help get reelected. He didn't structurally fix the budget. And we see it time and time again. In May, June, and July, we hear coming out of Hartford, this is the best budget we've ever had. Come August, September, October, the budget's already out of line and out of whack. And we're chasing deficit after deficit after deficit. Mm-hmm. So until the governor puts his foot down and says, this is what we need to do. These are the tough decisions that we need to make to fix this budget and not just worry about the current budget that we're in. We'll start thinking about the budgets down the road. We won't have any success at the state level until that happens. If you look at the towns and cities, the vast majority of towns and cities in Connecticut do that already. But we keep getting the tough stuff passed down to us, passed down to us, so we can fix it. So I think until the governor puts his foot down and actually decides he truly wants to fix the budget, I don't think anything's ever going to change in the state of Connecticut. You're essentially saying that we, we need to elect a Republican governor, you know, like, because... You know. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, I think Kevin Lembo. Um, who's a Democrat? Ooh, Miller just endorsed no, Kevin no, Limbo. Wow. Stop, I'm, I'm stop the podcast. Kevin Limbo, but I mean, Kevin Limbo, he, Kevin Limbo is a great guy. Don't get me wrong, but you know, here's a Democrat who stood up to the governor and called the numbers as he saw them. He's saying a lot of the same things with regards to the budget numbers as a lot of the Republican candidates. So we need to make structural changes to this budget. We need to fix the problem right at its core and then build it back up where things are never going to change. And this, uh, I, I'm sorry to harp on this, but like... It, yeah, it, I want to move on for when you, when you get a second. Go ahead. This this, I mean, it, like, it seems like it just no one wants, no politician wants to come out and say this, but it seems like we need to go and 
you know are you gonna pick up tolls no although we should do that but it seems that like we also need to go and restructure or do something about the uh benefits that people who are already retired are getting because they seem to be you know from what you read like you know they seem to be a little you know people they seem to be out of whack with like the reality that the majority of the people in the state are living 100% 100% agreement. If you look at some of these contracts and some of these agreements that employees have, their pensions a lot of time will be based on their top three years. So what you may have is a person who's earning, let's say, $60,000 a year. And in three, let's say, three years out of their final 10, they decide they're going to work a ton of overtime. And in those years, they make $100,000. So let's say they have a 30-year career working for the state. And over those 30 years, let's say their salary averages that 60000 Their salary, their retirement benefit is not based on that 60000 It's based on their three highest years. So if they worked a lot of overtime in three years, let's say made that 100000 their benefit's based on 100000 Stuff like that is what's killing the system. You, all, you also see, again, yeah, you also see legislature, I mean, legislators, I think, you know, when the governor comes in, when a part, when a new governor comes in, you know, he'll get his, you know, certain legislators will, you know, become commissioners for three years and then they'll retire, mm-hmm. you know, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and that's what it puts a tremendous strain on the system. And, you know, even looking at the decision that the legislature made uh, last week, when they, they talked about refinancing our outstanding pension obligations. Instead of making these structural changes and talking about how we can fix things long-term, to keep it simple, they took a 15-year mortgage and turned it into a 30-year mortgage. And the only reason they did that was to reduce payments, to make current expenses more bearable for the budget, but it's going to cost residents in the state of Connecticut $11 billion more. So they're not making the structural changes. They're just playing this usual shell game so they can try to make the budget work. These problems are going to go on and on and on. All right. Now, I had right before you came on, I put a question on Facebook, which then goes to Twitter, asking Seymour uh, residents if they had any questions for you. Uh, not a lot in advance notice, but we did get one question. It's from a Rye Maziok. I don't know how I would say that. R Y M A Z I U K ten on Twitter, and he wants to know okay. what the he wants to know what the part-time economic director is doing to justify his salary, essentially. Any news out of your economic development uh, director? Well, you know, the everybody, when they think of economic development, they think of big box stores, they think of big developments and things like that. Economic development is much more than that. Economic development is about changing the perception of the community to one, help bring new business in, but at the same time to keep your existing businesses happy. Our economic development director has been spending a lot of time on that quality of life stuff. You know, people will say, well, you know, Tritown Plaza isn't full and, you know, we haven't sold Seymour Lumber yet, but they'll ignore the $16 million that Basement Systems is reinvesting in Seymour. They won't talk about the over a million dollars of new equipment that MPI has purchased in the last year or so. These are two of our bigger taxpayers, 
and two of our larger employees, employers, excuse me, that are reinvesting in Seymour because they're seeing these quality of life things that Fred is working on to make Seymour a better place. And Fred being, so, being uh, Fred Missouri. Fred Missouri, yes. So Fred works very closely with these business owners. Uh, it's constantly in contact with them. He's fielding questions that they have, helping them with any issues, and you know, trying to help any way that he can. Business drives business. Larry Janeski and Basement Systems is successful because they have a great product and a great leader that's constantly pushing them forward. It's the town's responsibility to assist these businesses when they can, and that's Fred's primary focus, is to be there when they have questions, when they have issues, to try to address those problems and keep building that relationship. Hey, do you have any idea how the grand list is uh, coming out? You know, is it going up and down? Well, I should get the final numbers on the grand list um, in the middle of next week, I expect. Um, but we're, we're looking at a small amount of growth in the grand list. Okay. Uh, not a huge amount, but uh, there will be some grandless growth. Again, you know, things we have to take into account is, you know, our tax incentive program. So while we've seen some of this development coming into Seymour, a lot of this is part of our tax incentive plan. So that's not necessarily going to count in the first couple of years. Okay. So that'll directly have an impact to our, our grant. And then finally, before we let you go on this uh, cold and windy Friday afternoon, the deputy first selectman, you named a new deputy first selectman. We heard there was a lot of jockeying going on behind the scenes. We heard uh, there were a lot of leaks out of your office about who it was going to be, who it wasn't going to be, a lot of infighting. Uh, we know you like to govern uh, a la Trump with creating chaos and, and setting up uh, conflicts within your administration. So who, who went ahead and got this job, and, and how, did they, how did they get it? Well, essentially what I did is I took the existing selectmen, I put them in a closet with a wrench, oh, okay. and then just turned them loose on each other. And whoever came out was, was the deputy. That would have been that the Bahuniak. That would be, be the fairest way to do that. <laughs> Bahuniak would have walked away with that. He's young. He's agile. <laughs> That's right. He'd be, he'd be, he's a big kid, too, so he'd be tough. Right. Um, no, but, but all kidding aside, you know, with, uh, with Nicole Claire's teacher uh, becoming state rep, uh, it, would been, it would have been too difficult for her to um, do what she needs to do as a state rep, but at the same time do what she needed to do as deputy first uh, select woman. So she wanted to remain on the board, which is fantastic. Nicole has been an asset to uh, to this community. She's been a great partner for me over the last five years, a great sounding board, uh, a person that uh, I consider you know, a very close confidant. Most of the ideas that I come up with, the first person that I call is Nicole to run them by her just to kind of get her feedback and and feelings on that. So she's going to be missed. But, you know, the, the Republican members of the Board of Selectmen, because that's where the deputy would need to come from, uh, we sat down over a couple couple different nights and decided who would be best based on uh, people's schedules, based on experience, uh, based on strengths and weaknesses. And the five of us all came up unanimously with uh, Len Reed Jr.'s name. So Len will be serving as the deputy uh, for the remainder of the term. And how long has Len Green Jr. been on the board of selectmen? He's been up there a while now, right? Um, this he's serving in his second term. Oh, that's it. Okay. Um, prior, to, yeah, prior to being on the board the of selectmen, rep, he was right? a state representative mm-hmm. in the 105th district, and he was also a member of the board of finance uh, prior to that. There you go. Uh, uh, 
Town's son, a worthy servant. Now, Len Green Jr. is deputy first selectman. I don't want to ask about rumors that he's jockeying to get you out of there, but uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to. I'm making, I'm making jokes about the deputy first selectman. What position? What can I say? But Kurt, before we let you go, is there anything else you wanted to add, perhaps, that Ethan or I are not asking you? Um, nothing in, in particular. Uh, there'll probably be a big announcement. Uh, coming out of my office next week. This is what this is what uh, first selectman Kurt. This is what you do to us every time. Podcast, you're on our podcast once a month, and then you <laughs> always you're like, oh, and by the way, after this podcast, bombshell coming. Yeah. There'll be news later, without fail. Well, now you're supposed to, to do. You're supposed to tease a little bit and kind of build up this. I don't know. You know, excitement about an announcement. I got to check with Kellyanne no, Conway. Actually, oh, I'll, I know what it is. Getting aside. All right. On uh, on Monday, I'm going to file my paperwork. Um, to announce my candidacy for one more term as first selector. Oh. Um, I believe this will be my last my last uh, time running as, as for first selector of the town of Now you're you've been in there what three terms? This I'm finishing my third term. Okay, so you're going to go for a fourth term. You just broke that news here on the Valley Indie Podcast. Uh, Naval gazing. I forgot the name of this thing. So you're going to be filing your paperwork on Monday. Why uh, make this your last? Why uh, you're for term limits, or what's the point of uh, just doing another two years? Well, you know, it's it's been a lot of a lot of work over the last six years. Um, work that I've, I've greatly enjoyed. Um, you know, I've had good days and bad days, obviously, but we've we've come very far in the last six years. Uh, there's a little bit more that we need to accomplish. Because I want to solidify a lot of these things as the way Seymour does business. And we should be able to do that over the next two years. But I also feel very strongly that, you know, having someone come in with a fresh set of ideas, you know, a fresh eye in some of the things we were doing, they can make some of the small changes to the things that we've already done to keep moving Seymour forward. And I think having that fresh perspective is extremely important for any organization. That's growing, and I, I look at see more that way. So, but Plus, you're... I'd like to be able to spend some more time with my kids. All right. I should just note for people listening, if you hear a strange noise, my three-year-old daughter, Emma, actually, she was harassing Ethan at the beginning of this podcast, trying to, like, pull on his glasses or whatever. Then she's just come over here and nuzzled next to me and is sleeping and snoring. So if there, if you hear, like... Nice. Sort of strange breathing in the background. I, I've tried to move away from the mic when coughing or something, but I don't. I don't mean to sound like uh, Trump at the second debate or anything. I'm just I, obsessed apologize. with the fact that after you know we've been talking this whole time, and you can just hear in the background. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to do with her now. But anyway, Kurt, that's not really your problem, though. You didn't need to hear any of that. That's a life in the nonprofit uh, newspaper world, online newspaper world. So. Well, you know, something that's what makes this podcast so special because you never know what you're going to get. Right, totally unpredictable. Sound effects or guest appearances or what have you. All right, hey, I want to thank you. Oh, and by the way, uh, great job, Town of Seymour, in getting all the Blizzard info out uh, on Thursday the ninth during uh, that snowstorm. You know, like Seymour constantly had updates. Uh, and we're advocates uh, for for transparency media, and using social media in the lower valley. Yeah, using social media in the limited. in the right way. So uh, that was cool to see. So thanks for that. No, it's I mean it's it's certainly a team effort to get all that information out. But you know I find too the the more information you get out to the residents, 
the less angry they're going to be if they know what's going on. You know, I yeah, so. I agree. If you just all <laughs> so the, that's selfish for me too. I, oh, I I totally see that though. People just they just want to like there's an acknowledgement when it's snowing out. Simply saying, "Hey, it's snowing. We're plowing the roads." Can really yeah. sort of put people at yeah. ease for whatever reason. People just look for that. And though we don't cover Oxford a, a lot anymore, but George Temple also like puts out. He says, "Call me on my cell phone." You know, which you know it's yeah. not the biggest town, but like you know, full credit to that guy too. So yeah, and city of Ansonia and the police department mm-hmm. and Seymour Police Department too. It was a, it was just cool to see. All right, Kurt, thank you so much. Gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. I look forward to our uh, our time next month. Take care, Kurt. Thank you. Later. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. All right. So that was Seymour First Selectman Kurt Miller. And on behalf of uh, Ethan Fry of ValleyIndy.org and my sleeping three-year-old Emma, we will talk to you next week.